Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive faith community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Every goodbye offers us a time of practice and preparation for the big goodbye, for dying. So how do we prepare? I hope that I do it like this. Seven years ago, when I arrived to minister here, I met Nancy Atchison and her husband, Tom. At that point, Nancy and Tom had been members of First Universalist for almost 50 years, joining in 1964. They had seen us move from Girard to DuPont. They'd been here for the ministry of John Cummins and Terry Sweetser and Susan Milner and Frank Rivas and Kate Tucker and the beginning of the ministry of Justin Schroeder and Ruth McKenzie. They told me when I asked to meet with them to hear the stories about the church that church is not its ministers or a building. Church, they said, is some place where you keep coming no matter what. And they told me that in this particular church, people came even when times were rough here. They said that the stalwart core members of this church would show up every Sunday, even when they didn't particularly like the ministers, and even when they didn't particularly like what was going on upstairs in the sanctuary. In fact, the stalwart core members would just meet downstairs in the social hall on those Sundays and hold hands with one another and remind each other that everything was going to be okay. The church, they told me, was more than its ministers and more than any place or space or one story. Over the last seven years that I've been here, Tom has died with the careful, loving care of Nancy and so many others, and Nancy kept on coming to church. She was picked up every Sunday by many of you, by her church friends and volunteers, and you may have seen her in her regular spot being wheeled in and hanging out right over there. In her final days, when some of the dying of, when the discomfort of dying came up for her, it was church that would offer comfort for her. People would turn on Blue Boat Home on their phone. Visitors brought the love of church to her right where she was. There was prayer in our Unitarian Universalist way offering comfort. Church went to Nancy, holding her hand, reminding her that no matter what, everything was going to be okay. Church is so much more than ministers or a building. Church is the love that connects us wherever we are, reminding us that we are all a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we all matter, that we are all loved exactly as we are. Church means that we carry each other in our hearts, no matter where we are. Come, let us worship together. So the piece that Franco just played is our go-to 
music when anyone in our family is having a hard time falling asleep. We turn on that song. So, <laughs> that's all I got now. <laughs> but it's pretty perfect, actually, for... We put that music on when we have had a swirl of emotion, whatever it is, and we need something to help hold it and maybe move it on or put it aside so we can rest and welcome in sleep. So today we are holding a lot of things, a lot of big emotions, some related to church and hearing about Ruth's retirement, some the state of our nation that we're living in, some of it anticipating holidays that for some are good and for some are hard and for some bring interactions with people that are good or challenging or both or loneliness. We are holding a lot right now here in this room, in our country, in the world. And we are also holding this theme of the month, our monthly worship theme of making room and taking our place, which is actually a lifelong spiritual practice, right? Of making room and taking our place. So we are holding a lot today as we move into this time together. And I wanna start with roomy. And I'll admit, this is the place where I have edited out all of the original swearing that was in this sermon, because this guest house poem about welcoming everything even welcoming something that comes in and violently sweeps your room of everything that you valued. Well, when I hear the guest house poem, it doesn't always make me feel happy. It makes me feel angry. <laughs> and I think this is too tall of an order to welcome everything, welcome all of it, right? Welcome the diagnosis, welcome the lightning, welcome the loss, welcome retirement letters. No, welcome red hat, make America great again, wearing people. Welcome the people at our tables who say the wrong thing again and again. Welcome and entertain them all. There are even exclamation points in this poem, like really do this. And when I read it and hear it, I know this is the right direction. This is the direction of a spiritual life and it's where I want to get to and where I want all of us to get to, but it is a challenge for me. And so when I read it and hear it and let this poem in, part of what helps for me is I imagine Rumi a little bit like a little sprite that sits on my shoulder. And this sprite that's kind of Tinkerbellish, right, is like, really welcome and entertain them all. There's, a, there's something new coming for you. And I'm like, you know, and so Rumi is like, on the move, you know, trying to get into my ear while I am resisting this whole situation. So that's what this poem brings up for me. Welcome in to my interior world here. So let me talk about this a little bit about what I think Rumi is asking of us right now in this particular moment. So I'll just say that when Ruth let us know that it was time for her to retire at the end of the church year, Laughter and a sense of welcome was not how I greeted the news. I tried to be gracious in person, you know, but inside I'm swearing and swatting at the Sprite, right? So I know this is hard for me because I know that I'm a better person when we're in relationship. I know that we're a better church when she's in relationship with us. I know that we do amazing things when we are working and creating and struggling and loving and laughing together. 
I know that she touches the deep places publicly in our church, in our worship life, but also privately when we are going through difficult times. I know that Ruth has seen and known and loved our teenagers, and that matters so much. So I don't think that I'm going to get to greeting the news of her retirement with laughter. I think that might be too high of a goal for me, but I can say, and, and, and I am happy for Ruth. I am absolutely filled up and delighted that she's going to get to spend more time with her beloved partner. I'm happy that she's going to have the space and the energy to absorb everything that's happened in these last nine years in her life and in her life in ministry. I'm happy that we, as a church community, are going to get to practice again saying a good goodbye with people that we love and trust, that we're going to get to practice again naming what we mean to one another and letting our physical presence go, being able to trust in our bones that we are more to one another than our physical presence, that what we mean to each other, that we have, what we have created together lives on always whether we're physically present with one another or not. I know, because I've seen us do it before, that in time, as we grieve and say this good goodbye, our imaginations will also spark, and we will go in a new direction, and that we will hear where love is calling us next as a congregation. I can trust in all of these things, and I trust in this experience that is ahead for all of us. So. I'm guessing that some of you have watched or listened to the TED Talk where the writer Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie talks about the danger of a single story. Has anybody seen this TED Talk? Let me just highly recommend this as something to check out. So Chimamanda is an author, really famous author, and she is telling the story of arriving in America. She's a Nigerian, and she arrived at the age of 19 to go to college. And this is when she was really starting to see for herself what this single story is all about. Because when she arrived, she represented, for many people, the single story of what being an African meant. So she met her new roommate at college, and the roommate was perplexed. How was it that Chimamanda could speak English so well? How was it that she knew how to use a stove How was it that she was so widely read in literature of all kinds? And then, just to get even more confused, her roommate asked her, hey, could you share some of your tribal music with me? And Chimamanda says she pulled out her cassette tape of Mariah Carey and just (laughs) blew her roommate's mind, right? So it was clear that up until that moment, this roommate that Chimamanda was encountering had one story about what being African, a whole continent, meant one single story. And that single story was getting in the way of their ability to make a real human connection, right? So these single stories are dangerous. And part of what I love about this TED Talk uh, is that she says, you know, this single story problem, it it doesn't just happen to ignorant people or less enlightened people. It happens to all of us. And she shares stories of her own blocks where she had a single story about who she was encountering and how it got in the way. And I think it's important to know that these single stories are especially challenging when they have just been pushed out there by the media, right? Where people in power tell one story about a particular whole kind of people. And there's this, everybody in that 
continent or way of being or perception gets reduced to this single story or stereotype. So for me, I noticed this really clearly a couple of years ago. It was right before our last presidential election and I was traveling in Florida with my family and a dear friend. And we had planned this trip as a getaway and as a celebration. You see, during the week that we would be there, I'd be recognizing 20 years of recovery from alcoholism, and what better place to go and do that than Disney World, right? <laughs> so it was the morning of my sobriety anniversary, and my friend and I got up early, and we planned this super well. We were going to make it out to a recovery meeting and back to our hotel before the kids woke up and the parks opened, so super early. So a friend of a friend of a friend picked us up and dropped us off at a church in a nearby town. So we went down into the basement, and we found a whole group of folks bustling around and setting up coffee and you know, setting up tables and stuff. And this older man approached us and greeted me with all kinds of enthusiasm. He was, the, he was there, and it was clear his mission in life was to welcome people into this space. He was great at it. In fact, we found out he'd been the one who'd answered the phone when my friend called you know, earlier in the week to make sure the meeting was there and they'd have the chip and stuff. And it was just amazing to watch his enthusiasm as we were all entering the space. But I have to admit, I was confused, and really, really confused is the light word for it, because as I'm watching him welcome everybody, what I can see, the only thing I can see is what he's wearing on his head, which is, you guessed it, a red baseball hat that says, make America great again. So. Here I'm watching him, warm, welcoming, open. I'm looking at the hat. <laughs> and he, of course, comes right over, big smile, offers his hand. I shake his hand, and I breathe. I am here. And then I bolted. I'm like, I'm going to find a seat all the way over there <laughs> across the room. And I will tell you, I didn't welcome this guest with laughter and delight. I was angry. And I was scared. This was a space that's supposed to be safe for everybody. Doesn't he know that just wearing that hat, it might as well just say, I hate you, blah, 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 like, which is not what it said. But that's what I, that's what I saw. And I could acknowledge that I was angry and I was also scared in that moment. He was messing this up for me and potentially a lot of other people. So I did what I've been taught here in this church. Put my feet on the floor felt my feet on the floor, took a deep breath, tried to let the oxygen in, and I tried to open my heart. So I watched. I watched as people came into the meeting, people of all different colors, black and white and brown. I watched queer and straight people come in. I watched him welcome everybody with the same kind of joy. I watched him pay particular attention to the folks that nobody else wanted to talk to because they were newer or maybe a little rougher around the edges. And I watched as he stood up and gave me my 20-year chip. And as he talked about how it was his spiritual practice to welcome everyone to his adopted hometown and how much he loved to hear the stories that everybody brought with them. So this is what I'm watching. And then as the meeting ended, my friend and I were fumbling around on our phones trying to bolt out of there to get back to the parks. 
And he comes walking over and interrupts us as we're trying to find a Lyft driver. And he's like, hey, you know, these two new members of the group, they, um, they're Disney actors, and they're on their way to work, and they're happy to take you if you want. Okay. <laughs> so there he was, again, welcoming, helping us find our way. And as confused as I was in those moments in that space, I knew that something important was unlocking for me, some ability to see and feel beyond a single story. To me, this person's actions and his way of being were so incongruous with what I put together with what that hat meant that I was having a hard time connecting with him. But something unlocked and continues to unlock for me. This is a memory and a story I keep listening to. And I swear that even while I was there in Florida, far away from church, I could hear Rumi and his little Tinkerbell Sprite self asking me to welcome and entertain this guest, to see what I could learn, to see what new thing was emerging for me. The danger of a single story, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie tells us, is that single stories keep us from connecting. They keep us from connecting with ourselves and with each other. Single stories and stereotypes and assumptions, these walls we put up in our hearts, they keep us from connecting. When we know only one story about one another, she said, it makes recognizing our shared humanity really difficult. When we reject the single story and recognize that there are always multiple stories about each of us, then, she says, we can regain a kind of paradise. So, this is the kind of paradise I want to live in. The kind of paradise where there are multiple stories about each of us, where we are a church full of multiple stories. I want to live in and create a world where all of our stories are welcome and we can see each other in the fullness of who we are. Our universalist heritage is really clear about this. It names us as a community of faith where all are welcome, where the embrace of love is so wide that no one is left outside the circle. And we are striving to live into this legacy today. One of the visionary goals of our church states our hope this way. It says, First Universalist is a multiracial, multicultural, and intergenerational faith community of mutual caring and support where people bring all of who they are and welcome each other with joy. Our sense of who we are as a community of faith is ever expanding. So this guides us, this mission, this beautiful goal of multiplicity where each of us can be unique in all of our particularities and differences and we can bring all of who we are to this place and trust that we are gonna be welcomed in joy. This is one of those places we can practice how do we do that together. We can learn how to welcome all of ourselves, welcome all of each other, the sense of who we are ever expanding. So, like I said, this goal focuses a whole lot of our attention on what we're doing at church, and you may have noticed some of the changes that we've put in place, especially in worship, as we try to live into this goal. You might notice we're singing each other into the worship service, right? reminding each other and ourselves that we are sanctuary for one another. We are a holy place for each other where we can bring all of who we are. You've probably noticed that welcoming and joy section in the order of service in our worship life together, where we're pushing ourselves and each other to greet one another, to know new people and new things about each other, 
and to share new things about ourselves, too. You've probably noticed that we sing, Where You Go, I Will Go, another way of connecting us one to each other, that we've been trying to bring in more and more wisdom and speakers and musicians and leaders, all from different perspectives, all from different stories, so that the stories that have so often been pushed to the margin are at the center, so that we can all find room here. We are aiming for nothing short of radical welcome in our church community. And I feel absolutely clear that radical welcome, which means that everyone has a place here, where everyone feels this sense of belonging and welcome, that that is actually the lived expression of who we're meant to be as a church. This radical, all-embracing welcome, every child born a place at the table, as the choir sang last week. This is who we are meant to be as a church. This is the spiritual journey we are on. And like any spiritual journey, it's never over. There's no arrival, just further alignment with that hope and that goal, further alignment with our actions to our values. That is where we're going together. So this is a big goal, to become radically welcoming to all of who we are and all of who is still to come and join us. My hope is that Unitarian Universalism will be, and this church in particular, will be a commitment to a cross-cultural experience, welcoming all of each other. Theist, atheist, mystic, black, white, person of color, indigenous, differently abled, temporarily abled, that we all know that this is a cross-cultural experience and commitment we're making to one another, to know our own stories and each other's stories. So this is the kind of paradise we are invited into, the spiritual journey we are invited into together. And to do that, we go back to Rumi. Rumi, who I love and hate all at the same time. This being human is a guest house, he writes. Every morning, a new arrival. Welcome and entertain them all, exclamation point. Welcome them all. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. May we learn to welcome it all, to welcome all of who we are, to welcome all. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.